Welcome to episode two of the MTN podcast with Roshin Akimoto. She is the only woman outside of Japan to have completed instructor's training at the JK headquarters in Tokyo, has successfully competed in all levels of competition, most notably being the only non-Japanese to place in kata at the JK All Japan Championships. I'm really excited to share this conversation. Here it is. Uh, so have you been keeping in shape during this period of time? Yeah, I would say so, definitely. Like, um, I was going to the gym or, like, working out at home a lot. And then I would say, like, because I wasn't at work, I wasn't moving as much as I normally was. So I didn't I didn't really put on weight or anything. But I don't, I, I don't know. I wasn't maybe as, like, lean as I've been in the past. And then the last three weeks I've been back at work. And just I just maintained like maybe half an hour workouts a day or like going to the gym on the weekends. But because I'm now walking like 20,000 steps a day at work, like I've just leaned up again in like three weeks. So it goes to show how much like being at work and like running around kind yeah. of keeps you really active. So how do you know you did 20,000 steps? I mean, how accurate. <laughs> oh, you know, okay. Just, the device. Forward, but you know, sometimes I think, um, <laughs> like, if you do a workout that's on the spot, but it has, like, jogging in it, it will tell you that you've done, like, thousands of steps. And I'm like, is that the same? Yeah. Really? Definitely. So, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, a lot of, it's, it's funny because a lot of people have had a hard time working out during COVID. Yeah, I mean, like, so if your gyms were close, Closed as well it depends on obviously those that were doing karate as well if your dojo was closed i know some dojos did like online classes and things so that's really great but yeah it's hard if what you're used to doing is closed and you have to find another routine whereas like i've kind of done like even when i've been training um i've been doing at-home workouts so for me it wasn't that much of a change even when the mm-hmm. gyms were closed um so i would recommend it <laughs> so what would you say to somebody who has a uh, difficulty stringing their trainings together um, do you mean like staying in a routine for training? Yeah, yeah, because I hear this all the time and talking to some of my colleagues and people at the dojo, they just they just can't, they just stop training in general, whether it's running or, or doing any kind of physical activity. I would say that I think a lot of people put this expectation on themselves that like if they're going to work out or if they're going to train, it has to be for an hour or they have to go to the dojo and they must do this or it has to be at the gym and, you know, they have to have this type of workout. I would just say as long as you do something that's better than nothing and so there's been days where like maybe I haven't felt like training and I thought you know what I'm just going to do 10 minutes I'm going to do like a minute push-ups I'm going to do a minute of sit-ups and within 10 minutes you're done 10 minutes those like that but at least you've done something mm-hmm. and that thing like helps me keep that positive mindset because if I think to myself oh I have to do an hour but you know I'm exhausted and I'm really busy today and then I can't do that hour immediately I feel quite negative and I think that that can kind of put you in a bad cycle so I'd just say do something whether it's like a minute five minutes ten minutes something's better than nothing and it will just get you straight back into it that's my advice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have you what is a typical how many hours do you think you train a day or is it 40 minutes or what's a typical training day for you honestly like my go-to is half an hour of really high intensity um Mm -hmm. that's what I tend to do because I don't really want to be like working out or training a lot but even even when I was competing in karate um when I was doing my own fitness stuff if I was doing it at home again like because I was spending so many hours in the dojo I didn't then want to spend hours doing conditioning so I would go for that half an hour really high intensity and I've mm-hmm. got a routine of just making my workout short but sweet um and then just making sure that the rest of the day I'm kind of active but for me I, I think I'm a naturally active person anyway like I like going for mm-hmm. walks right I'll be going out and about um so yeah I just I don't think it's necessary to to do hours and hours and hours of, mm-hmm. of condition certain types of training obviously if you're doing karate it's different you know mm-hmm. you have to sometimes in the hours of practice um but I think short workouts can be really effective would you think that um how much of the crossfit influence because I know you've been doing crossfit recently has that been a big influence on how you structure your trainings or how you look at them um so actually yeah I stopped I've actually stopped doing CrossFit about a year ago and I think it was because um I'd done a lot of fitness before I joined CrossFit 
Um, and although, you know, you never reach a plateau, there's always room for improvement. I did kind of feel that I'd learned a lot from CrossFit and I could take that back into my own training. Um, so I definitely think that CrossFit has taught me to vary my training, you know, to make sure that I'm hitting lots of different muscle groups that, um, you know, sometimes I lower the intensity and I focus on the weight or, you know, just making sure that you are not sticking to the same routine that you've gotten used to and that is no longer maybe as effective as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what the, that's the biggest influence that CrossFit had on me was just making sure that I keep it varied and also making sure that I stretch. Because although like you do a lot of stretching, <laughs> and I think it's really easy to forget when you then go to conditioning training that you also have to stretch there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been like a learning curve for me as I, as I near the big three O and get Oh to God. Her. Yeah. <laughs> but it kind of changes your, your perspective on things when you're approaching that zone. Cause you can see, I mean, I, I saw this 16 year old who was really, uh, he was looking to order a dogey. and you yeah. can tell he's so passionate about karate and he wants to compete. And it's, it's almost like, for me personally, that mindset's kind of changed as as it, the years have gone by. It's I'm almost I'm not as excited to do those type of things as I used to. Yeah. So I guess maybe with age, it kind of dies down a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, everything changes with age. I mean, people. When I say this, people are always like, "You're nearing thirty. You're not nearing 90. And I'm like, "That's a very good point." But I think when you've done so many hours of training, and then you know you put your body through so many years of like kind of harsh conditioning and there's definitely been times I mean you know that we have not looked after our bodies like we've probably you know put our bodies through the ringer um and I think maybe my early 20s to mid 20s I was so confident in the fact that I would never get injured I just had this feeling like I was invincible like you know I mean you could probably hit me with a baseball bat and I'd be like (laughs) (laughs) I can take it bring on the baseball bat (laughs) broken bone like give it your best shot um whereas now it's like i walk down the stairs and there's a twinge and i'm like oh what was that i was just walking down the stairs yeah oh my god um, so i'm definitely more appreciative of my body now and i'm i'm trying to look after it better and i do not train through injury anymore i do not do anything that i think to myself could possibly injure myself which is like a total you know 180 of my old yeah. attitude yeah you can see it like uh, i'm I'm focusing on on a youth group at the dojo and, and they, they just have no idea that their bodies are so fragile. They just think that they're invincible. And I'm just shaking my head. I said, don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. Oh I'm pretty sure people were looking at us like that as well. And little did we listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think when you're really passionate about something, you'll just kind of do whatever to, to try to get to it, right? definitely yeah for sure when you're when you've got a goal in mind I think we all we have things that we're willing to sacrifice and you know with sport it's often our mm-hmm. biggest asset it's our bodies right we just mm-hmm. we put them on the line um but yeah it's it's knowing when to say I'm now getting a tad old and it's time to look after myself mm-hmm. um, definitely reach that point was there something in particular or someone in particular that really got you excited to do karate in the first place? Oh, that's a good question. I would say, yeah, I would say my mom, actually. Um, mm. She wasn't the reason that I started karate. Um, but after my brother had started, my mom soon started. And she was, I think she was actually, she was either 38 or, or definitely near to 40 um and she'd never really done sport before in her life um and this was the first time that she kind of fully immersed herself in being like physical and active and she really struggled um but at the same time she absolutely loved it and I remember watching her practice her kata in the kitchen or practice some sort of technique in the kitchen and I was probably just sitting there doing nothing you know chilling as I did mm-hmm. um I, that memory's always stuck with me and actually we used to, when I then started we would always practice in the kitchen together like we would spar together or we would go through kata together um wow and yeah just that memory of her and she was so she was so determined to get the technique right and as a child although I'd done other sports you know like swimming um I'd done things like athletics at school um I'd never really done an activity where we looked at all the fine details of a technique you know, and mm-hmm. I, my mum do something where she'd really focused on getting it absolutely right. And that rubbed off on me. 
Wow. So she was more, arguably more passionate than you at the time oh, regarding karate. Yeah. She was really determined. She was determined to, you know, grade and, and, you know, go up the levels and get her black belt. Like I still remember her going for her black belt and she trained so, so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so nervous for her. Oh my God, this is, I haven't thought of years. I remember being so nervous for her because she wanted it so badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and now she's, I think she's a fourth down now, and she's thinking about going for a fifth down. Um, oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so that fire's not gone. That fire's not gone. I still remember when she got her third down, it was a really big deal because you didn't see many women, especially at her age, getting their mm-hmm. third down. Um, so it's just, she's just kind of continued to like, you know, push boundaries and achieve. And, you know, the first time she competed, uh, I think she was near the age of 50. And she competed. Oh, right? in the, yeah, the, she competed in the national championships, and she medaled. <laughs> oh wow! So, yeah, wow. so she just kind of continuously um, inspired me for sure. Wow, I'm 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 kind of amazed at how popular JKA is in Europe, because in North America it's it's just kind of terrible. I mean, it's we don't have the same level of. Uh, it's not fair to say we don't have the same level of enthusiasm, but we definitely don't have as big of a championship as the European championship, for example. Right. Yeah. I so mean, it's kind of be interesting. Cause I, I don't think I've ever gone to, um, like a WKF, uh, European championships, for example. But yeah, I think the European championships is probably for us, like the biggest championship of yeah. the, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of a chance as well, because within your own individual countries, actually, once you start to re- to get to the top and you start to medal, you begin to realize that the pond is actually quite small. Um, so, of course, you, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, you're young and you're trying to reach the top, you think you're in this massive pond with, like, lots of fish. Exactly. And then you realize, oh, my God, actually, this pond is really small. And then you go to the Europeans and you go, right, okay, now the kind of real competition begins. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I always kind of use the Europeans as, like, the main test for me and also mm-hmm. as preparation for if we had the worlds or yeah so I'd say like for me my my biggest achievements were winning the Europeans because mm-hmm. like they weren't easy competitions you know like I always said you know sometimes you'd look at other countries and you might think to yourself after having maybe trained in Japan you'd say oh you know that girl's kata her technique wasn't perfect here or or, you know, they should be doing this move slightly differently. But what you couldn't deny was how strong and powerful and fit Definitely. these competitors mm-hmm. are. And it's like, you could not turn up to the European Championships unfit. You could not turn up having not trained. You could not turn up not having given your absolute best to, to mm-hmm. preparation because you just looked around and it was like, yeah, I can tell these guys whether or not they've actually been training lots in the dojo. They've been putting in so much work. Mm-hmm fitness conditioning speed um so yeah the europeans is always a good one um to kind of test yourself and push yourself mm-hmm. but you never were attracted to doing sport it wasn't something in the cards like sport karate you mean or yeah just... yeah because it's huge in europe right um do you know not really and i i oh. don't have an answer why i think maybe i just never fell into it like, like maybe if the club that I joined as a child was like EKF. Maybe I would have, I would have probably gone down that route actually. Um, but it's funny. I, I used to say to myself that I was JKA through and through because yeah. of the fact that I'd like grown up, graded, competed within JKA. But I mean, both have their merits and both have their, you know, um, yeah. shortcomings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that was it. I think it was more just a case of where I ended up, where I found myself, and the experiences that I had that kind of led me into like traditional karate and, and mm-hmm. you know JKA style competitions. Mm. Well, because when when you look at those YouTube competitions and the crowds, I mean they have massive crowds in those WKF tournaments, right? Yeah. I mean the impression is wow, there's a lot more interest than in a JK tournament. Yeah, it would be interesting to kind of know the numbers and things. And I wonder how much the Olympics had an effect on that. I do really feel for um, the WKF because after all those years of kind of preparation for Tokyo 2020 and then we've had the coronavirus here, it must be so tough on morale. Um, So I I do really feel for them and I hope that next year it's able to go ahead and they're able to have the competition because I think Paris 24, karate is not included again. So it's it's almost like you know, their one shot, their one chance to shine. And I, I really hope they do. I know a lot of people in kind of traditional karate circles were worried that 
that would take the limelight from them. But really, I mean, I've had different differences of opinion of this over the years, but now I'm sort of of the opinion that any publicity is good publicity for karate, whether you're doing sport karate or traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, for example, you know, traditional karate feels that it would take the limelight away, then maybe they just have to work harder at getting, you know, young talent in, um, opening new dojos in, you know, in, in different areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this could be a massive rabbit hole. I probably, I don't know if I want to go down that route, but I definitely think that there's room for improvement when it comes to the platform itself. Um, Shobu Ippon is, in my opinion, not the same as it was in the 70s or 80s. Um, there's a lot of waiting around compared to what they used to be. There's a lot less action going on. So, No, I would but, agree with you on that. I know what you mean yeah. by the whole, like, once we start. But no, I, I agree with you on that. Um, and I also think there needs to be more... I think there just needs to be more publicity. Like, you know, in... was it? What year was the Ireland World Championships? Was it 2000? Uh, I think it's 2017, yeah. Um, and I'm not sure of the name of the guy who won the male kumite. What country was he from? Was it Chile? He's from Chile. Chile. He's from Chile, yes. Yes, I yes. Amazing. And I kind of feel like, have we heard anything about him since? Have yeah. we heard anything of him since? Mm-hmm. You know, like, why haven't we celebrated the fact that a non-Japanese yeah. person won the World Championships and actually yeah. did it relatively easily? Like, you know, he was amazing. He was so good. Um, yeah. And, you know, young kids looking up to him, he's such a role model. I mean, God, if I, you know, if he was in my dojo in Chile or, you know, just the fact that he's from Chile, I'd be like, oh, my God, I want to grow up and be like him. So where are the interviews? Where are the publicity? Where are the invites? I, yeah. I just, there's a lot that happens. And instead of celebrating certain wins, you know, they're kind of swept under the carpet. And I, I actually think that's a real shame just because it doesn't do traditional mm-hmm. karate any favors and actually yeah. we would have so much more popularity we'd have so many more numbers if we did things like that mm-hmm. yeah no i absolutely agree i mean it's hard to have a sort of a, a filtered conversation about this without throwing you know shade at anybody or or any group so like i you know i'm not here at all to to throw shade like and i think a lot of maybe people, we can maybe we maybe this can be an unfiltered edition <laughs> at this point the gloves are off <laughs> no no honestly that, right. that's my intention i just want to be totally honest and most people are thinking this i mean i'm we're just saying what people are thinking it, it's pretty yeah. obvious you know there, there's no other sport in the world you know you don't hear of somebody wearing where um sorry winning the olympics and then not being celebrated it's very it's a unique situation where you have a winner of an of the biggest arguably the biggest competition in our calendar the world championships mm-hmm. And then them not be celebrated and then practically be ignored and that be swept under the carpet. And let's be real. It's because it was, you know, a non-Japanese person who won. Like, it's not throwing shade. It's not criticizing. But it's the truth. And it's kind of like, you know, I think a lot of people are sick of not saying what they're thinking and saying the truth because it might be uncomfortable. And luckily, I don't have to do that anymore. (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely a a cultural aspect to this whole thing. And and we know that Japan's a very hierarchical society, so that applies to the organization as well. But on another note, do you really think that Shobu Ippon is a complete system? That it doesn't have a flaw in the way... Because I'm a real believer that the rules shape the athlete. If you take sumo... You can't be 150 pounds and succeed in sumo. You can't. The rules are simple. You can't go out of bounds or any other part of your feet other than your feet can't touch the ground. So that creates a certain type of athlete, a certain type of person. So do you really think that the Shobu Ippon rule set promotes sort of a, a balanced karate or what we would consider a traditional karate because I, as far as I'm concerned, if a bunch of sport people came to the JK world championships, they'd probably win the whole thing. Right. Yeah. We're not even good at our own game in a sense. It's such an interesting question because if you asked me that 10 years ago, I think I would have been like a staunch supporter of, you know, with traditional karate, the reason why we wait is because, you know, we wait for that one killer moment where we have that one shot to defeat Some the opponent. Die yeah you know and I I would I that would have definitely been my answer like as you are asking that question I could just hear my my arrogant 18 year old self like getting all self right but actually um 
yeah, I do agree with you. Like, I do think that if we had WKF athletes come to our championships, they would give us a run for our money, if not, you know, win. And that in itself, you've just said, you know, we're, we're not winning at our own game. And that has to make us think, that has to make us sit back and go, what, why is this happening? What is yeah. the reason for this? You know, is it that we are not promoting and we, we don't have enough members? Is it that um, we need to be training smarter? We need to be training better. Is it that we need to shift the focus from that, you know, waiting for that one moment to actually increasing more movement within a fight? You know, like, for example, warnings for, for waiting or like they have in WKF. Yeah, definitely. I, I have a couple of ideas, but I'm, I think I'm just going to disclose them outside of the the podcast but i have some pretty interesting ideas so we'll talk about it what's that copyright your ideas yeah exactly i want i want to appropriate them (laughs) (laughs) but definitely it's changed right and and what's interesting is if you if you look at funakoshi he's he's against competition right and nakayama introduced competition so already karate do isn't meant to have competitions in the first place so there's kind of like an identity shift, right? It's inconsistent. We say that we do budo karate, but then we compare each other to others. Yeah. And we have this sort of, as you said, we're not celebrating other people's successes either. Like the community, in my opinion, needs to wake up a little bit when it comes to that. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. It, it's almost like truth or hamper right like we're just kind of stuck in the middle it's like we've chosen to do competition but we're not going to do it fully or to its you know um maximum effect because of the fact that we're budo and we want to keep that traditional element so i i i can see what you mean by like those two elements kind of fighting against each other for sure um but yeah it's it's kind of like what is the answer to it and i do think that there just needs to be more opening up of kind of um, opportunities internationally so like more collaboration with countries around the world you know more kind of um, grassroots initiative of of training um not just inside japan but outside japan um, and obviously we do have things like that to an extent like courses and and gashiku's training camps but i think that there could be more done you know things like gifted and talented looking at up-and-coming athletes who, who are mm. showing potential um and kind of really trying to grow that and nurture that. And I don't think that we do that at all. Yeah. Um, case in point, you know, 2017 Ireland. Um, I, you know, the fact that I, I'm not even sure of, of the winner's name goes to show, you know, absolutely. City there was around that. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, but I mean, in the end of the day, we can only control what we do, right? And we can only control the environment that surrounds us directly, right? So, I mean, I guess that's all we can do moving forward, right? That's all we can do. Our sphere of influence, our mm-hmm. sphere of influence and our sphere of concern. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But that's a. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a fan of individual events. I don't know about you, but. Do you like individual events? Um, do I like doing them or watching them or both? Both. Oh, that's interesting. I no, I do enjoy watching them um, to an extent. I don't. I've never loved doing individual. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I've you know won or I've medaled, you know that's been I've been, I've enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But not for very long. I, I feel like the biggest impact or the biggest wins that have kind of stayed with me throughout the years that I still look back on and I still remember fondly they're all team events exactly Um, most of them are team kumite events I mean there's just nothing like um being in a team where you all work together you have that really close bond and then together you achieve something um it's just the best feeling in the world and individual events do not compare to that and I think that's also why um the biggest kind of devastations in my career have been surrounded by team events. You know, mm-hmm. if I felt that I've let the team down by losing a point or I've let the team down from, by, you know, from a mistake, those have been the, the ones that have stayed with me, like, and kept me up at night still thinking yeah. about it. as individual. It's much easier to just be like, right, that day wasn't my day, yeah. move on. That's the thing, because, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the cat's already out of the bag. Uh, karate, though, is not inherently supposed to have competitions but we have them and we can't just be okay well let's not have competitions anymore i mean i think most people are gonna not agree with that 
But I mean, I still think there's a possibility of shifting perhaps to a more team-focused environment instead of an individual. I don't know. That would be I an just, format, yeah, actually. I just feel... Uh, I have no incentive to win as an individual. It's weird. I, I, I played baseball for more than 15 years. I'm, I'm kind of used to the team environment and doing an individual thing is just, it's, I don't know what, like, what would drive someone to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think also it depends on how you've grown up. I think if you've never found your team, you know, for example, say you've trained a dojo where like there hasn't been enough members to form a team and mm -hmm. then you focused on individual. I can understand why people might focus on individual. But if you're lucky enough to find a team, you mm -hmm. soon realize, oh, my God, you know, I, I would always choose to do team events over individual any day of the week. Um, so I can, it, it depends on if you've been lucky enough to find that team and to find people. Because bear in mind... Um, people think that, you know, a successful team is all about just talent, which maybe in places like, for example, Japan, it might be where the talent pool is so huge. I mean, there's just so many amazing athletes here. There's so many amazing karateka that really they could pick and choose anyone from hundreds of people and they'd probably have a winning team. But take, for example, England, you know, people think that my team with Rachel and Yana was just because of the, the fact that the three of us were at a certain level but no it was also due to the fact that we gelled so well as friends that we trusted each other that we trained together that we motivated each other and I think people forget that those are the main ingredients that make a really successful team like you can't just have talent because if you're not on the same page if you're not working together if you're not if you don't have the same goals then you know you're not going to be as successful as you could be mm -hmm. and all three of you were in the same dojo right Initially, no, actually. So Yana, oh. Yana lived in Birmingham um, and she was training there until I think she was about 15, 16 before she started to come down to London and we would try and train twice a week. Um, and then eventually she moved to London to work and we were able to, to train. And then obviously by that point, I'd gone and upset the apple cart by moving to Japan. But we still made it work because Rachel and Yana were, were at the same club and I continued training in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, and we would make sure that, you know, because Rachel and I had definitely grown up training. So our catters were very similar. We moved in a similar way. Um, so it wasn't particularly difficult for me to come back and train with them and try to slot in. Mm -hmm. I think if we hadn't had those initial early years together and we did move very differently, I think that would have been a lot harder to do than it was. Mm -hmm. What if a tournament wasn't reliant on, on teams that were formed within a particular dojo, but you can form a team with people from different countries? Oh, wow. Like, what if you had that kind of format? Like an All-Stars, like, you know, a European All-Stars or something. Like, it, could be, it could be a dojo cup where people would have to be affiliated to a club and they'd represent a club, but if they can't form a team, they would just try to liaise with different people and see if they can find the final members to form their team i mean it sounds like a fun idea i just can't picture it until you know yeah okay it's cheap yeah but i mean imagine that you know if, if say for example you had you know first second third place finishes at the european championships forming together to form a team to then go against japan that would be fun yeah <laughs> That would be really fun. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's a lot of obstacles. I mean, certain countries don't have just one association, right? I mean, does England have more than one JK association? Uh, does England have more than one JK? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. I think, I don't think so. Yes. Oh, yeah, there is. What am I thinking? Okay, there you go. My, my mind just went blank. Yeah, of course. So Let's for see. you to form a team, somehow those organizations have to work with each other, right? To select a team. I mean, theoretically, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem, yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be a particularly hard ask to ask yeah. people to work together, Yeah, but somehow it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, the way I look at it is, I personally love the team format much better than the individual format. I feel that nobody really cares about your individual accolades so much, because when you go back to your dojo, things life moves on and you have to if you're teaching you have to be a good teacher it didn't matter if you won tournaments it might help get people in the door but 
you still have to keep them there, right? And it's it doesn't change anything really. But if you kind of create an environment where it's about the club, it's about the team. I don't know. Maybe it would involve more more people in the process. I think yeah. I mean, I would like to see that happen anyway, regardless of like competition mm-hmm. formatting. Just clubs having more of like a community feel and yeah. you know promote their young talent and rather than looking at the individual looking at how we can get groups of kids in clubs you know training competing enjoying karate raising the level the standard of, of training um but obviously ideal world right yeah you kind of the best and i'm sure like there's so many instructors out there that are doing this day in day out like i don't own a club i'm like you know you're you yourself are teaching you know every week every day at a club um so i you know it's it's we know that instructors are doing this and they're putting in the time and the effort and it, it's mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to like if it was easy then it would already be done i i just find that having a platform just helps create the incentive right i mean some of the kids were so excited to participate at the world championship and now that it's been canceled it's almost like there hasn't been a reason to continue training hard yeah i mean I, it's kind of you should be able to discipline yourself regardless i, I don't think you should have to have a goal for you to be disciplined but for if you're a young person you kind of it's nice to have those things to look forward to right Oh, definitely. I mean, I'd say that it's very few people. There are very few people that are able to motivate themselves to train day in and day out without competition. We were one of them. But realistically, um, most people need some sort of incentive. They need some sort of, you know, carrot to to look forward to. And competition Mm. is that. I really do feel for people who were looking forward to the Europeans this year or looking forward to the world and who, because obviously it's been cancelled, kind of the air's been taken out of their balloon. And I, I just, I feel bad for them. And I think it's really important that they do their best to at least do something each day. Like I was saying earlier, even if it's a short amount of training, mm-hmm. um, try to keep that momentum because it's so much harder once you lose it, especially in this environment. I mean, mm-hmm. with us, I mean, when the next competition will be, or even if there will be one um, mm-hmm. in the future, it's tough for young young karateka at the moment. Definitely. I mean, if we're, um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So, you were mentioning earlier that your mom was really the one that was passionate about it. What was the kind of turning point for you? What made you go from oh, I'm just keeping up, and then now you really want to do this? What was the change? Um, so it's a funny story. Um, so my teammate from the team, Rachel, she started before me. I was still painting at the back of the dojo when she got her orange belt. Um, I was okay. like, I, I used to sit at the back of the dojo and I would paint and oh get water. Um, honestly, yeah, I was so bad. I just, I, I did not know what day of the week it was. Uh, and then Rachel got her <laughs> orange belt and I was like, oh, wow, Rachel's trained really hard and she's got her orange belt and I'm not going to be able to catch up unless I start training really hard. <laughs> And it was literally like that moment. So even at that age, I was I was just so competitive. <laughs> oh, wow. um, but no, then I started training and with that in mind to catch Rachel up. But obviously in the process of doing that, I was never going to catch her up. She was two belts ahead of me. Um, but yeah, I, I in the process of doing that, I fell in love with karate and really enjoyed it. And <laughs> lucky for me that that happened. Darn, you got that orange belt before me. Li- that was literally... <laughs> Like, you know, you best thank me, girl, because I got you into karate. <laughs> <laughs> Does she remind you that all the time? No, she doesn't, actually. She just sort of smiles whenever I recount, recount that story. But, um, yeah, she's a big part of her and my mom, probably the biggest biggest influences on me doing karate. And it changed my life because, you know, without karate, I wouldn't have moved to Japan. I wouldn't still be here 10 years later. God, can you believe it's been 10 years? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. But but it's a it, that's a big commitment to make. So was it just from that childhood experience that you're saying I'm going to go to Japan because that's a big choice? No, no, not at all. It's like with anything, like the ripples in a pond, things just kind of you know lead on to each other. Um, so obviously, I started to train. I started to train hard, um, and I would say one thing I'm very blessed to have, or you know, 
to kind of have as part of my personality is that I do get tunnel vision. So whatever I'm doing, whether it's like karate or it's work, I can just be 110% focused on it. And, you know, I, I'm able to drive myself. Um, and because of that, I got, when I was 12, I was selected to go to Japan for the world championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still remember that was the first time that, although I thought I'd trained hard up until that point, um, I hadn't. And I remember our one of our coaches was um, Sensei Sue Warman, um, and she was so tough on me, but amazing. Like without her, I think I wouldn't have developed that mental toughness that I needed to come to Japan in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I her this is one of my kind of vivid memories of that time I was practicing MP and I was practicing the jump and she made me do it again and again and again and I I think I must have done it about a hundred times during that training session and um I started to cry and it was more out of like frustration because I just couldn't get it um and I remember her saying to me that karate in life is like a stick of bamboo where you get these smooth planes on the wood and then you reach a knot and it's really hard to get past that knot but once you get past it you reach another smooth plane and you just sail up until you reach another knot and she was like that's karate you have to get through those knots and me with my kind of 12 year old self that made so much sense and I, I kind of just kept training kept going interesting and then obviously when we came to Japan I just fell in love with the country like I the furthest I think I'd been at that age was to turkey i think i'd gone oh. from, yeah so i'd been to i've been to a few countries but that that was kind of the furthest i'd been so for me japan was just like this other world just completely different culture the food the smells even now sometimes i'll be walking down the street in japan it's normally like an udon place and i'll walk past an udon place and that smell and i'm 12 years old again walking down the streets in tokyo and it's just Is that it's, right wow yeah it just transports me back oh um, and then I remember at the world championships, I came fifth in Qatar and I was knocked out first round in Kumite and I was so upset about that, but I saw the way that they moved and that was the biggest difference with their karate and mine was watching their Kumite and, and also to an extent, the way that they did Qatar, cause I was very much power, 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 and they were very much speed, speed, speed. Um, and I remember saying to my mom, I'm going to come back here and train because I want to do karate like them. You know, what I'm doing now is not, I don't think it's, it's good enough. I want to be, mm. like, and I knew the only way to do that was to, to train here mm. from that moment that my brain was kind of like, okay, well, when I finish school, I'm coming to Japan and from 12 years old onwards, that idea just stayed there. Okay. Well, cause that's, um, there are some people that don't like the speed, speed, speed for women's kata though. Some people really miss the power element of it though. Yeah, and of course, each to their own. Mm, of course, of it, yeah. We all want what we don't have. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you've got curly hair, you want straight hair. It's the same. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, whatever whatever you don't have, you know, if you're kind of willowy and really quick, you know, you're probably going to wish that you had more power. And for me, as somebody who's, like, always found it easy to, to generate power and to have powerful kata, um, I've always wanted to have more snap, more speed. So, yeah, I think it depends on kind of what you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of born with and, and your particular style. Because um, it's interesting for me, when I was um, teaching at Takashi Sensei's dojo and I would train with uh, Takagi Sensei, so the winner of Kata, mm-hmm. her Kata was so fast and so sharp that when I did it next to her, I could definitely feel that like sharpness next to me. And mm-hmm. I, I could just feel the difference, you know? Um, so it was good that I felt like it sometimes rubbed off on me that I could, you know, try to copy her and get that feeling. But at the same time, I could also feel how much more powerful I was than her. Um, That's the thing, right? In the end of the day, I mean, if your punch doesn't have an effect, what's the point of it? That is- that's kind of how I think of it. I mean, that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's, that again, it's the line, isn't it, between sort of, competition and real life yeah it's hard to say right i mean with with training methodology revolving around competition it's it's not the same as if you're training for a fight i mean if you if you training for mma it's totally different you won't be doing katas right you you're training your whole regiment is going to be different right 
Yeah, I mean, you know, so even that, we open a massive can of worms because think back to when we were at Hombu and how much we were training. I mean, we were training day in and day out. Like, you know, mm. we felt like we could do kata or we could spar in our sleep, you know. Um, I even, you know, I would be walking past the tree and like a leaf would rustle and I'd block because my, my reactions were that like, you know, finely tuned. But at the same time, if you put me up against an MMA fighter or somebody who could grapple, did I think that I could win? Did I think that I could overpower them using the skills that I had? I, I don't know. I've never tested it out. I don't think the training is designed for that, in my opinion, though. I mean, when you're training at the homebu, it wasn't so much about, well, that's another can of worms. But I think it, it was more mental than physical. Yeah, definitely. It was not. I don't think people understand that you can come out of that program and it can really mess you up a little bit in the head. Mm. And I just wish people can empathize with that a little bit more. I, I would say as well, what um, you and I probably have to remember is most, most Kenshi or people who have trained at the Hombu, they go through two years of hell, then they're made an instructor. And yeah, when they're young, training is still tough, but they are built back up, you know? Yes. So especially after five, maybe 10 years, you know, slowly but surely, once they're made an instructor, they're untouchable and they are built back up. Mm-hmm. You and I, on the other hand, we were broken down for two years, day in, day out. And then we weren't ever built back up. We were, you know, it was, it was bye, see you later. So we yeah. had to do our own. But actually having said that, I would say that, um, I, I, I personally feel anyway for you and I, that as time's gone on, I think we'll probably be even stronger for it because we've built ourselves back up. We've mentally repaired ourselves. We've Mm -hmm. picked ourselves back up and continued with our life. You know, both of us had the same goal and we weren't able to reach it, you know, by staying. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I now think to myself, thank God I didn't stay there because now I have this amazing life that I built myself, you know, without the help Mm -hmm. of anyone there. Um, And I think there is a big difference between, kind of having to do that yourself, like mentally build yourself back up and repair. Yeah. It takes a long time though, for sure. Yeah, it does. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm, I can already feel that I'm so much stronger now than I ever Mm -hmm. was. It was challenging coming back because no one gives a crap whether you did instructors training or not. And it doesn't matter. I had to earn my respect regardless. And even in a dojo where I taught for four years, I still had to gain their respect again. And people just think that that you have all these luxuries, but you don't, right? Yeah. So it's it, but it's like you said, when you do build yourself back up on your own, you do kind of discover things and new ideas, new projects, and a new perspective that can kind of lead to something else, right? Something yeah. greater, probably. And I think also from the sounds of of what you've done, Seiji, I think. Also, for you, the journey was finding your love of karate again. So, you know, for me, when I started to teach at Takashi's Dojo and how lovely it was there, being with those instructors and, you know, how welcoming it was and kind and, and you know, going to the dojo and people were, were genuinely, like, happy to be there. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I do not remember the last time I went into a dojo and felt like this. Yeah. Because for so many years training had a purpose training had an end goal um and i think once you've gone from club training to the level that it is at the hombu there is no more real enjoyment i mean don't get me wrong there were times where i would do a kata and it would feel like so incredibly powerful or quick that you know my heart would race a bit with adrenaline um but that was different to like sheer joy of going to the dojo training with other people laughing um just have like genuinely enjoying your time there um, and I just always say to people who are still doing karate, make sure you're enjoying it. Make sure you know why you're doing it and why you're there and you are genuinely happy to be doing it because otherwise mm. there is no point. I feel like I've been to that end road, that end result of like, yeah. you know, but so definitely having a healthy environment and being confident in yourself is a huge factor because right now I train with, with teenagers. I train with 12, 13, 14-year-olds, but I feel stronger than I was training with at the homebu. <laughs> like, I'm not scared of anybody. You want to go in a fight? Let's go. Because I know no one's going to no, gang up on me at the end. Fight me. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, <laughs> fight me, 12-year-old. <laughs> okay. 
that's going to sound really bad. Okay, so of course you feel confident. You're beating up on 12-year-olds. There you go. Holy crap. <laughs> no, I totally know what you mean. And also, oh. I think a big part of that is the mental aspect as well, though. When you are free to make mistakes, in a way, you, you actually make less mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you explore more. You take more risks. But they, you know at the end of the day you enjoy what you're doing and actually that has a really positive impact on you physically and to give you an example the first couple of years that I competed at the um, European Championships I was knocked out first round for Kata and Kumite mm-hmm. and these years that I had trained so hard like I was doing my GCSEs so you know big exams and still every night of the week I was going to training and somehow juggling these, these big exams because I wanted to win this um, and then I think I got to, was it maybe 17? I went to a European Championships. I hadn't even picked like a final kata because I thought, well, there's no way I'm getting to the final. Like I never get past the first round. Um, and I continued to train out of enjoyment. But I thought, oh, I don't even care this year. Like if I get knocked out first round, I do not care, whatever. Um, I'm just going to enjoy myself. And that was the first year that I won. I mean, it's the irony of life, right? Yeah. And I think this- same thing happened to you and I at competitions like the All Japan and the Worlds. We never got to that point where we would turn up at those competitions and say, actually, I don't care. I think there was one All Japan that I turned up and thought, I don't care. And I came third. But mm. the cat was really bad, so actually it didn't pay off. But yeah, I think you and I, we never got to that point where we were like, we were relaxed enough to just go in enjoy ourselves and the last time you did that Seiji where you actually went into a competition and was were relaxed and enjoyed it was the Kanto and you won it pretty easily <laughs> I just yeah I think there's a cultural side to it because in Japan you're supposed to be reserved not show any facial expressions and I'm French Canadian like we're passionate people I can't just be freaking Japanese like I I have to I have to be myself and I think for I I get so, I love watching the Brazilians and the South Americans fight a lot because they are, their culture is so ingrained in their karate and it's a really beautiful thing to see. So they're just, they're maybe not behaving sort of all the time, prim and proper, showing no emotion, but they're not Japanese either. Right. So I guess kind right, of yeah. being yourself. And so for you having like, I don't give a F attitude is a good thing for your performance, right? I needed it for sure yeah (laughs) I mean I'm my own worst enemy the competitions I've put like tons of pressure on myself have been the absolute worst Mm -hmm. I mean absolute shows (laughs) and I've gone what did I do to myself I, I remember thinking after some of these competitions that went so badly and I was like why did I train so hard put so much blood sweat and tears into it only to torture myself on the day and actually make myself give a really bad performance because of it. Mm-hmm. And I think you only with experience, I think it's not just karate, it's any sport, is having that ability to kind of control that mental side, um, take some of that pressure off because pressure doesn't do you any good. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good to have a little bit of nerves, to, you know, have, you know, have that adrenaline, have that kind of spark in you that makes you ready um that is different to that oppressive you know kind of pressure i have to i have to um and that doesn't make for it like that's not conducive to success i don't think anyway Mm -hmm. so definitely that's something you can carry over right so when you feel that intense pressure you can you can perform properly right what 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 do you think you'll run into in the future like that well actually so i it's funny you should ask that. Um, and I'm trying to keep this in mind and remind myself of it. But I just passed my um, PGC, which is my teaching license. Nice. Um, and I recently started teaching PE at an international school here in Tokyo. Um, and probably because it's my kind of NQT year, um, I'll definitely be having like lots of lesson observations by, you know, senior <laughs> and all that. And I, and I you know... M- when I'm not being observed and I can just relax and teach, you know, I know I can teach some amazing lessons. So I'm trying to keep that in mind that, you know, even if you're being observed, just teach like nobody's there, like nobody's watching because when you do that, you know, you can teach a great lesson. And it's Mm -hmm. when you're putting that pressure on yourself to make the lesson, you know, perfect in someone else's eyes, same with karate, trying to make your performance perfect, like in someone else's eyes, that's Mm -hmm. when it kind of 
falls apart. So yeah, oh, it, it applies, that. doesn't it? <laughs> right? So it's a, it's the one skill that'll carry over. You think? I hope. So. I mean, <laughs> so it's easier said than done, right? I'm just gonna try my best and see Still if it scary, works. Right? Of course, and sometimes you just the pressure can be too much, and you know, with anything in life, um, it can affect you. But I think I just try and remember that, that at the end of the day, most things are not life and death. Do you know what I mean? Like when you really sit back and think about it, you know, massive exams, is it really life and death? I, you know, the answer is no. A competition, if you lose, is it life and death? Definitely not. And I think sometimes it's really difficult when you want something so bad to put things in perspective, mm-hmm. but you need to, because at the end of the day, nothing is more important than, you know, your mental health or your happiness. And if your goal is getting in the way of either of those, it's, time to kind of look at it and be like is this really what I want to be doing mm-hmm. um so that's what I try and keep in mind now is it life and death no so chill out Roche <laughs> chill mm-hmm. out man. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a weird one though because it's nice to have a goal though or is it really necessary you think to set goals Ooh, or to have big question. dreams I would, I used to say yes. I used to be, you know, my God, I would have a goal for breakfast. Like, you know, how quickly can I have breakfast? <laughs> yeah, the hell. I mean, like, seriously, um, I, I've, all my life I've been really goal orientated. But actually, in the last few years, I've kind of stepped back and, and thought to myself, it's not just about the end result. And this is going to sound really corny and really cheesy, but it's about the journey. And if because you're constantly looking at the end result, you miss the journey, what is the point? You know, I've now been in Japan almost 10 years, and I would say that only the last three years have I been truly happy. And that's because I haven't really had a massive goal like I did in karate. You know, when I Mm -hmm. was training, was I happy? No. Was I happy when I was, you know... um, aiming to you know win the world championships or win the all japan the answer to that like if i'm being totally honest is no Mm -hmm. um it's interesting that you asked that question because i think yeah it's healthy to have goals but it's also okay not to have goals and to think to yourself i've got one life i'm gonna live it i'm I'm gonna live my best life (laughs) Mm -hmm. well one thing that i was thinking about as well is is i had a period of time where funny enough i would kind of discourage kids to do karate I mean, there are some kids at the dojo, they're so passionate, they're so talented. And I, I'm kind of looking at them and said, this pond is too b- small for someone like you. You have so much talent, so much ability. Like, why don't you play another sport or do something else? And now I've, I don't think this way, because if you want to do karate, I will teach you karate. But I had that small period of time where the dream is kind of not as big as what I thought at that time. And but does that mean that it's not worth pursuing it in the first place? Oh, I, I, like, <laughs> I you know it's really interesting that you say that um, because. Well, we both met our 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 spouses because of this journey, right? Because of these life choices, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> is that the message of this podcast? If you karate, <laughs> if you pursue karate, you'll find somebody. <laughs> Even though my husband doesn't it's do true, karate, but still, I met him because of karate. We um, have like five marriages, I think, from our dojo. Seriously? Okay, yeah, then, yeah. Maybe we should That's not the intent. Online dating site, a karate online dating site. Karate Gokon. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Cringe. It's a good business idea. Oh, don't get me started. Uh, but no, I don't know. I think... It depends on why you teach karate as well. And I would say when I first left Tombu, if I'd opened a dojo, it definitely would have been with, you know, creating a champion in mind, you know. Um, And then I would agree with you. Like if I'm one of the reasons why I've never opened a dojo and one of the reasons why I, you know, if I ever went back to the UK, I I wouldn't teach karate is because I feel as though for non, maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but I feel in my experience I don't feel like non-Japanese karateka get the same level, like same chances as Japanese karateka. So I feel that why would you give your, you know, blood, sweat and tears mm-hmm. to then not be given equal chances? 
yeah for sure obviously there'll be people that disagree with that and that's that's absolutely fine but that's just in my experience um so I can't in all honesty teach young kids and say you know if you train your hardest and you do your best you can reach the top you can achieve anything because is that true Mm -hmm. I would say it's actually currently not true you can't achieve everything that you want in karate definitely Um, you know so yeah but at the same time I now teach you know young kids primary kids um PE and a lot of the time it's trying to teach them like joy of movement you know how to move their body how to learn how to run properly or catch and throw teaching them um how to play competitive sports you know like basically setting that foundation and I do think that karate is is a fantastic way of doing that for young kids in terms of you know flexibility motor skills hand-eye coordination all of the things that you want young kids to learn and physically be able to to do Mm -hmm. um is all included in karate and then if you add on top of that the discipline that it teaches Mm -hmm. the self-control um then if I look at it from that perspective I think oh god it's you know it's a great sport and and I think kids should do it and then you know she will say to me do you want our kids to do karate and I'm like hmm hmm yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah well i'm really happy that um through this you got your teacher's license and that you're able to transmit that to students i'm really happy that that's it but it, you know it's funny through this program it, it's like it, it would be as if you did your teacher's license but you didn't get the certification right and you wouldn't be legally allowed to teach right so who would ever want that right right and, and from my father's goal in his karate career in general was to be able to produce a student to graduate from the Kenshise program. That was kind of his purpose. I mean, or else, why else would you want to teach in, in his opinion, right? What, why else would you try to, to dedicate all these hours in teaching members? But right now, can that be, I can't do that. I can't look at a kid and say, I'll train you really hard and then you're going to go to Japan and graduate from instructor's program. That's not a, a goal. I will try to, to create the dream for you. I will try to create that platform for you because I can see it in your eyes that you, you love karate so much that I, I can't just give up on you, you know? So that's kind of where my mental state is at right now. I think that's but, great. No, I think that's really great. And when you look at like 2017, there is, there is, things to motivate kids you know we can say now honestly you could be the next world champion you know because there has been somebody outside japan who's won it fair and square you know um and that i think is a wonderful thing to be able to go back to your dojos and say you know if you want to be like this guy if you want to win you need to train hard and actually know that it's a possibility i think that's the main thing is knowing that there is space for them to progress there is you know goals for them to look forward to and that actually those goals really are attainable like we're not we're not just saying it for the sake of it and we're not Mm. lying we're truthfully saying that this is a goal that you can achieve if you train your hardest Mm. Um, for those kids who just want to do it for the love of it for the love of of like moving and training and you know that's also fantastic that's also okay you know not all kids need to have that goal of of becoming the best of the best Mm -hmm. Um, it's just it can be difficult if you've had that goal of becoming the best of the best to not be able to share that with other people if you don't think it's true. So, yeah, I think I think that's really important. Uh, for me, it wasn't so much about I don't have incentive of being the best karateka, but I, I wanted to be an elite instructor. So my knowledge is and my ability to train people is at the highest. I think that was kind of my main objective. That's why I had the goal to go to Japan in the first place. But I'm I'm really glad that you're able to be a part of the schooling system because that has a massive effect on people, I think. Right? Yeah, it's it's funny as well. When you come like I know you did baseball. So baseball and karate were kind of your two sports that you focused on. And for me it was swimming and karate. Um but it's really interesting to actually see that kids who do lots of sports so you know we do at least six different sports throughout the year plus clubs and everything else um and seeing kind of the benefit that 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 has is also an eye-opener because I was always at the mindset that you know if you wanted to be good at a particular sport you had to specialize early and you had to focus on it early Mm -hmm. but that mindset is slowly changing and I'm thinking no you know up until a certain age it's best that kids do lots of different sports that they you know 
develop so many different skills through those sports and then maybe in their later teens if they want to specialize in something that's the time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also it's logical and you you're kind of in a better position to implement your projects on a larger scale too right yeah of course we have that network here um, Mm -hmm. school, so of course we could do that um but yeah, I'm still kind of new to new to teaching. So at the moment, I'm just sort of focusing on on doing the bread and butter of what makes up my role as well as I can. And then hopefully in a few years' time, who knows? Maybe maybe I'll open a club. Nice. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it it is what it is, and like you said, I think. Pursuing a goal, if it's going to sacrifice your mental and physical health to the point that it's just driving you insane, is it really worth it in the end? I don't know, right? That's the question, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yourselves. Definitely. 